Dear friends in Jesus Christ, great to see you today. Today is the transfiguration of our Lord. So this is the final Sunday in the season of Epiphany. We begin the season with the wise men coming a great distance, bringing very important gifts for the infant Jesus. So unusual, but what was God doing? God was pointing out to everyone who became aware of this that this child is no ordinary child. In fact, this child is the Messiah. And then after that, we went ahead quite a few years coming to Jesus' baptism when he was 30 years old. And that is when God the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. What happened after that? Jesus went on to do great teaching with much authority. Authority like no one else had who was teaching. And then he backed up that teaching as God the Father worked through him to do great miracles. All of that is pointing to Jesus being the Messiah, but the transfiguration, that is the clincher. Everything else was pointing and pointing in that way, but still, though, he always looked like an ordinary person, like an ordinary man. But then, with the transfiguration, when his face begins to shine as bright as the sun, that was showing Peter, James, and John. And God wants us to be thoroughly convinced that he is the promised Messiah. He is the Son of God in human flesh. And therefore, everything he said, everything he did, his work on the cross, all of it is so very important for us in this life and forever. Let's rejoice always in our Savior. Thinking about all of that, what could we say? God has gifted each of us with belief in his word, with godly sorrow, and with trust in Jesus. Many people do not have such things, but let us rejoice that God has given such great things to us. We are in a most blessed situation, so we could say that we know about the power of sin to eternally condemn. Even a small sin is enough to eternally condemn because even a small sin makes us less than what God requires. But also, too, we know the good news. We know the power of Jesus to eternally save. We are so very blessed. Long ago, as we think about Peter for a moment, Peter came to this conclusion. He basically said, as long as I am physically alive, I'm going to keep telling people to pay attention to the Bible. Peter understood that that would be a great blessing for everyone. May God help us to do the same. Maybe today is the last time I'm ever going to see any of you again. Do I know that's to be the case? Not at all. But is it possible? By all means. If that was the case, what would I want for all of you more than anything else? Well, of course, I would want you to finally die in Christ. That would be most important. But what about between now and then? What would be most important? Well, that would be to pay attention to the Bible. I believe that if you really did that in a serious way, certainly 
God, the Holy Spirit, would work through that word, would touch your heart, would open your heart to understand it better, would cause you to be sad about your sin, would cause you to rejoice even more in your Savior. And as you went through all of your days and weeks and months and years paying attention to the Bible, God would bless you, and finally, we would meet up in heaven. That's my desire for all of you. And isn't that the desire we have for every single person we know? Whether it's a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, even a stranger. Wouldn't we want that for everyone? So let's us pay attention to the Bible. Let's encourage others to do the same. Today we're in 2 Peter chapter 1. And really what we have here is Peter in this letter he's writing, he's reflecting back on what happened with the transfiguration. So I'm not preaching on the transfiguration itself, but on Peter reflecting back on that event. As we go through this, I'm hoping it will give us even greater confidence in the Bible, and it will encourage us to point other people to the Bible. Getting back to our text then, first of all, we come back to the transfiguration. And Peter wrote, he starts off with the word we, and he's talking about himself and the other apostles. So he writes, we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. To be an eyewitness is a significant thing, isn't it? Think about something that you yourself have been an eyewitness to, something that was just like so amazing, you might not have believed it if you didn't actually see it. Keep in mind, Peter, he was that eyewitness. God gave him that great privilege to see things that most everyone else did not have the opportunity to see. Touching on the topic of Satan for a moment, think about what he was doing in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. So right from the start, God has a perfect world, and here's Satan trying to mess things up. What he was doing was ruining God's perfect creation by tempting them to sin, and also he was severing the relationship between the people that God made and loved with God himself. Satan made a mess out of things from the beginning, and we continue to live in that mess today. The amazing thing is, though we have sins, God still loves us. Wow, that is so amazing. That is so wonderful. What about today? What's going on? Well, many are lying. It's so hard to know with what we read, with what we see maybe on TV, with what we see on our phone or on the computer. It all kind of seems like it's coming from people that should be telling the truth. All kinds of important topics from medical type topics to theological type topics and so on. But yet there is so much lying from all kinds of people. People are lying trying to cancel out God. Unfortunately, many have believed that, and there are more and more people in our nation and in the world that say there is no God. What a sad thing. Also, too, 
for those who still are hanging on to God, the lying is corrupting the truth of God. Think about what Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But that would be talking about the pure truth of God. When you corrupt that truth, then you no longer have the truth that can set people free from eternal condemnation. Also, too, the lying is keeping people in the devil's family. It's a shocking thing. If you take a look at the letter of 1 John, you'll see in there that it lays out all people, and it says for every single person in the whole world, each person is either a child of God or a child of the devil. There is nothing in the middle. Most people don't know that. They don't think about it. They don't want to think about it. Let's rejoice that God has made us his holy children in Christ. For other people who are not in Christ like we are, let us realize they are in super great trouble. They are children of the devil, and they will be with the devil for eternity without repentance. Let us care about them. Let's think about them. Let's pray for them. Let's point them to the Bible. And then what about in Peter's time? Well, he was telling various stories about the great power of Jesus, about the greatness of Jesus. And what were probably some people doing? They're thinking, there's no way that man could have had such great power. There's no way that man could be that great. So they thought, Peter, you are a liar. How many people thought that about what Peter was saying and preaching and writing and so on? And yet, what did God do? God made Peter not only an eyewitness so he could tell what he saw, but then God the Father was working through Peter to perform many amazing miracles. Did Peter have the ability to do miracles? No way, but God the Father was working through him to do the miracles. Why did he do that? So the people would know that what he said, that is true, because look at the miracle that is confirming the words that he said and the words that he wrote. So thinking about what Peter heard God the Father say, we pick up in verse 17. For when Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father, so that happened when he was transfigured, such an utterance as this was made to Jesus by the majestic glory, in other words, by God the Father. He said of Jesus, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And then Peter wrote, and we ourselves, so he's talking about himself, also James, also John, they were the only three who were there. So we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with Jesus on the holy mountain. So it's a really significant thing, them hearing God speak from heaven. And the words are almost identical to what God the Father said from heaven when Jesus began his ministry. Kind of like bookends, so... <clears throat> beginning his ministry, the father confirms, this is my beloved son. Shortly before he goes to the cross, 
God the Father again confirms, this is my beloved son. And then the Father said an additional thing. He said, listen to him. Aren't we so blessed to all be able to read and all have a copy of God's holy word so we can read what our Lord Jesus Christ said? Let us make time for that every day. Well, if we think about what God the Father said in the Garden of Eden, he promised in so many words that he would send his son who would be the Messiah and who would take away the sin of the world. So he made that promise, but how would people know which person he was? If we take a look very carefully in Genesis chapter 4, and we see Eve giving birth to her first child, who was a male child, his name was Cain. Now, he was not the Messiah. Cain was not the Messiah. However, though, we get a glimpse of the faith of Eve because she was looking for the Messiah and she thought that maybe this male child that she has had, that maybe this is the Messiah. So she was looking for that great one to come. But how would they know though? Well, God made it clear during the Old Testament times how to identify. So he said the Messiah is going to fulfill prophecy. The Messiah is going to speak the truth. The Messiah is going to confirm his words with many mighty miracles. And then what happened with Jesus of Nazareth? All those things. So he fulfilled over 300 prophecies. He spoke the truth, absolute truth, never a single lie. And he confirmed those words with countless miracles. So let's be completely confident that Jesus of Nazareth loved by some, rejected by many, even hated by some. He is that one that God promised, and God is calling us to be certain of that, to rejoice in our salvation, and he wants us to be completely certain that Jesus Christ, he is desperately needed by every single person of all time. Again, let's be thankful we have him. Let's try to point others in his direction. And then for even greater confirmation, that's when Peter, James, and John heard God the Father say, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now for all of us, we believe the Bible is true. Sure, no problem with that. We know who Jesus is, but wouldn't that be a great thing if somehow we were outside and heaven opened and God the Father confirmed that to us? That would be an awesome thing, wouldn't it? I don't need that. I hope you don't either. We can look at what the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit is working through the Bible to confirm these very important things to us. When it comes to certainty, I think we all have certainty about something very negative. We have certainty that we have sinned, that we are not perfect, that we cannot meet the requirement for heaven. We are certain of that, or at least we should be. But what does God want us to do? God wants us to have even greater certainty of who God sent in the person of his son. He wants us to have even greater certainty that Jesus lived the perfect life for each one of us, 
He received every sin that we ever have committed or will commit. He received the eternal punishment that we deserve. And now, through our God-given faith in Jesus, God wants us to be absolutely certain, even if we don't feel this way, he wants us to be absolutely certain, based on the truth of his word, that we are his forgiven children, that God is with us, and that one day we are going to be with God forever in an awesome place, in the awesome presence of God. We are so very blessed. Let's never forget such things. And then a little bit here on biblical prophecy. So, Going back and thinking about the words again that the Father spoke about Jesus, Peter wrote, so we have the prophetic word, that would be the Old Testament scriptures, we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. So regarding being more sure, Peter was certain that the Old Testament scriptures were the word of God. Let us know that too. But then the scriptures were made even more sure to Peter when he heard the voice of God from heaven in regard to Jesus. What about paying attention? Well, like I used the laser light earlier, it's hard to not pay attention to it. You're just kind of curious as to where it's going, so you tend to follow it. Well, that can be interesting, but it's, in a sense, it's nothing, is it? But isn't it so much more important to pay attention to God's holy word? In a way, when I think about it, it's so sad that at least in America, everyone has access to a Bible. And yet so many are doing so little, if even nothing, with the Bible. And why is that in part? That's in part because we live in a world full of liars who have tried to ruin the credibility of the Bible, and therefore, people have written it off. They don't need it. They don't believe it. They've got life all figured out, and yet, I just don't believe that's true. I'm not any better than anybody else. I'm thankful for what God has shown me, but I'm a poor, miserable sinner like anyone, but for everyone, they're in the same category. And my prayer is that God would open the eyes of everyone to be able to see the truth, pay attention to the Bible, and be set free. The Bible is eternally beneficial. What about this idea of other people needing our spiritual help? If you think about your own life, you can probably think of at least one occasion, if not countless times, where God was working through you in order to say something or do something that had a spiritual influence on somebody else. God wants to do that all the time. When I say that, it takes me back to the Imagine Heaven book that we focused on a couple years ago. You might remember this one part in the book. There was a particular person, I think it was a woman, and she was having what the book referred to as a life review, having her whole life pass in front of her, and Jesus was there with her. And there was something that she had said or done, and she realized that, oh, I said this, I did this, and that made a difference in the life of one other person. 
And then what was so amazing is Jesus enabled her to understand this awesome thing that the one thing that she had said or done, and she thought, oh, that touched one person. He enabled her to see that that one single thing actually had a ripple effect, kind of like dropping a rock in water. It had a ripple effect, and it touched the lives of 35 other people. The one thing she said or did touched the lives of 35 other people. God wants us to know that what we are saying and what we are doing is so significant. Let's not look at it as not being important, but let us know that our words are important, our actions are important. May they line up with the Bible, and may they keep pointing people to Jesus. As I think about pointing people to the Bible, it takes me back to what Paul ended up saying to the Ephesian elders. So Paul is on his third missionary journey, and he's passing near Ephesus, and he invites all of the pastors that are in Ephesus to come down to, I think it's Miletus, in order to meet with him there. Now, you have to keep in mind that Paul had been in Ephesus years earlier, and Paul had personally trained each of these men. So they depended upon Paul. However, though, what Paul says to them is he says, men, this is the last time that you're ever going to see me. So God had made this known to Paul. So he's telling them this is the final time. So what did Paul do? He said to them, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's a little bit what I said earlier. If I never see you again, stay in the Bible in a serious way, and then I know that we will meet up in heaven. That's what Paul was saying to them. Hey, I'm not going to be around. Stay in the Bible. It's all going to work out. God will work through his word, and he will keep you in Christ, and he will use you to be an eternal blessing to others. Finally, at the end here, just to talk about a fundamental difference for a moment, Peter concluded this section of the letter by writing, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. So what we have in the Bible these are the words of God the Father, and even the words of Jesus himself. What did Jesus say? He said, I only speak what the Father commands me to speak. So we really could say, these are all the words of God the Father. How did they get on the pages of this book? God the Holy Spirit moved various men to write down the very words of God the Father. So we have an accurate document of what God the Father has said. And of course, what is the Father talking about? Much of what he's saying is talking about his Son, and it's all being written down by the Holy Spirit. What a great Trinitarian book we have in the Bible. Well, an important question in today's world would be, what is the way to heaven? 
Oftentimes when people hear that, now there might be a few people that say there is no heaven, but most people would think about heaven and they want to go there someday. But oftentimes people will answer by saying, I think such and such, or I feel such and such. Our thinking and our feeling is lacking what is so important. What is missing here? It is lacking the truth. So we're not saved by what we think. We're not saved by how we feel. We are saved or we are set free by the truth of God's holy word. God wants us to have certainty. So let's never trust in our thinking or feeling. Let's always go to the Bible and God will confirm to us that yes, in fact, we are poor, miserable sinners. God will also confirm to us that yes, Jesus is the very Son of God. Yes, Jesus did an all-sufficient work for our salvation. And then God will confirm to us that our trust is not in us. Our trust is not in coming to church. Our trust is in the very Son of God. And therefore, we can rejoice, we can be at peace, and we can know that everything is going to be okay, no matter what. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, by your grace, by your mercy, by your power, we pray that you would flood our minds and our hearts with your truth. We pray that you would cancel our wrong ways of thinking and feeling. We pray that you would grant us total certainty that the Bible is your holy word to us. And finally, we pray that you would use us to encourage others to pay attention to your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.